0: Good evening, you are listening to Radio Maria, and this is our diving deeper program. And this evening, I'm very happy to be able to say that we have Daniela Stevens. Um, back <laughs> we last saw each other about 30 seconds ago for um, <laughs> intentions, um, who is going to be talking about listening to God. I'm really looking forward to hearing this, to hearing all about it, to listening to you about how to listen to God. So, I'll hand it over to you.
1: Thank you, Karen. And uh, it's good to be back after 30 seconds. And uh, so I shared if you were on the prayer and intentions, I received a scripture from someone just this afternoon about tonight. And the first half of the scripture was, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And we do that by listening to God. We do that through prayer and I'm here tonight to preach the gospel. And in a nutshell, that means that Jesus is alive and risen and that he speaks. And when Jesus Christ speaks, it's not just words without effect. When Jesus speaks, his words are efficacious. That means when he speaks, they do something. Because Jesus is the word. We go back to Genesis where it said, let there be light and there was light. So when God speaks into your life, it's efficacious. And he asks us to open our hearts through his grace so that his efficacious, all powerful word can actually act and take root and bring change and transformation to our life. God speaks and we are called to listen. And we listen with all our mind, with all our heart, and with all our soul. And listening to God is loving the Lord. And I'll explain why later. Now, I just wanna reverse three days back to Sunday. On Sunday, we celebrated the Feast, the Solemnity of Christ the King. We are now in the final week of the liturgical year of the church. And Sunday was also a feast or the celebration, should I say, of World Youth Day. And Pope Francis has chosen the theme, Rejoicing in Hope, from Romans 12.12. And I just want to speak a little bit about hope and joy. And so I'll start with a question. Where do you think joy comes from? It's more than happiness. It's more than a feeling. Joy, and I'm sure you'll have experienced it, is felt deep, down, like the way Jeremiah described when he said there was a fire deep down in his bones, he could feel the power of God. And so joy is something very deep. Where does it come from? I'm going to give you a little bit of spiritual theology. Now, we all have a spiritual life. This is going to get a bit technical, but this is diving deeper. So be prepared. And let's go back to where joy comes from. There's a spiritual gift. When you were baptized and confirmed, you were given the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, the spiritual gifts. And one of those gifts is called fear of the Lord. And fear of the Lord, in a nutshell, is like awe and reverence for God. It's that holy fear of God, that recognition of, wow, this is almighty God of the entire universe that we just can't fathom his magnanimity, if that's the right word. You know, that's an understatement of how much we should fear the Lord. And fear of the Lord is actually strengthened by a theological virtue, which was also put into your soul when you were baptised. And this theological virtue is hope. Now, Pope Francis said that hope is not optimism. It's not just remaining positive in that worldly sense. Hope is a deep, special gift that was put into your soul to make you like God. So you've got fear of the Lord, which is this reverence and awe for who he is, this amazing God of ours. And when you see Christ for who he is, for how powerful he is, you know, it says in John's gospel that if everything that Jesus Christ did was written down, all the books in the whole wide world would not be able to contain it. So how much did Jesus Christ do when he was on this earth for every single book not to contain it? because it's too much. You know, we should read about the Lord in the gospels to increase our fear of him. And the more we reverence him and have this awe, this holy awe of Jesus, the more hope it instills in our soul because we're putting our hope in one who is almighty, who is powerful, who is good. We hope in the Lord because of his greatness and who he is. And hope, do you know what the fruit of hope is? It's always joy. That's why St. Paul said, rejoicing in hope. Joy comes from hope and our hope is strengthened when you have this awe of the Lord because you know who it is that you reverence. So there is a little bit of the spiritual life and there's a whole synergistical relationship between the seven gifts of the spirit, between the theological virtues and between the fruits of the spirit. And joy is a fruit of the spirit. You see, God is a God of order, and he wants to bring order to your life, both physical and spiritual. So how do we increase fear of the Lord? Because that's where it stems from. You know, this is why the scriptures say, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the only thing that King Solomon asked for was wisdom. And fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom it doesn't matter how old you are you can have wisdom if you fear the Lord so how do we grow in this reverence and awe yes it's by getting to know Christ but we only get to know the Lord in and through listening to him in and through listening to God speaking to God in prayer and I'll give you an example. When I was 17, I may have shared this before, but as I, sh- I said this recently to someone when I was speaking, you know, our testimonies never grow old, just like the life, the passion, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ never grows old. What the Lord has done for you and for me has an eternal benefit and we should never tire of sharing what he does in our life. You know, the woman at the well, she ran to the town and said, listen to what I have just been told. I've met the Messiah. And she would have said that story over and over again because Christ's power and his effect never dies, never dies on us. And so when I was 17, I'll I'll skip the beginning because we we haven't actually got the time. But a long story short, I was in mass and this was when I encountered Jesus personally for the first time. I was a practicing Catholic since I was a baby. I was baptized as a baby. I went to mass every Sunday, but I didn't know Jesus in that personal, intimate way until this Sunday at mass. And basically, I felt Jesus knocking on the door of my heart, just asking me to let him in because all the years up until then, I was afraid to get personal with Jesus. I was afraid for my prayer to go from lip service to heart service, because I was scared what he might say, what he might take, what it might imply. I was scared he'd take my freedom and all this type of thing. And as as I was having this battle, I just said, right, Lord, I'll give you a chance. And yeah, that doesn't sound too reverent, but it was a prayer. The Lord likes it when we are simple, raw, and straightforward with him. And so I said, right, Lord, I'll give you a chance. And then I looked up at an image of Jesus being baptized in the River Jordan, and all my fear evaporated because I saw a meek and humble God. Jesus said, I am meek and humble in heart. And The only way I can describe it is for once, for the first time in my life, I knew who it was that I was turning to. I could trust him. And my hope went from being a flame put into my soul at baptism into a bonfire. And this is why Jesus says, who do you say I am? Who do you say Jesus is? The more we pray, which is speaking to God, listening to God, seeking him, the more we will encounter Christ and discover who he is. For me, he revealed himself as this humble, strong, gentle God. Fully God, fully man. You see, we are persons made for relationship were made for interaction and God became one of us in Jesus Christ so that he could have an actual personal relationship with you you're not just one among many you are not lost in the crowd Jesus has specifically chosen you because he wants a relationship with you whoever you are listening right now You might already have one, but Jesus wants to take it deeper. This is why it's called diving deeper. Because as I read once within each one of us, there's a bottomless well in each one of us. And it can't be filled with anything but God. And God just keeps on giving and giving and giving. He is eternal and he's inexhaustible. He's infinite and what he gives never ends this is why we cannot fathom how amazing god is and the more we ponder this through the bible through talks like this through spiritual reading the more our fear of the lord will grow you see when jesus walked the road to emmaus with the two disciples who were going away he spoke to them about himself through the scriptures, hidden, foreshadowed, prophesied, their hearts were burning. Jesus wants your heart to burn. And I pray your heart is burning right now. Why not right now? You know, it doesn't have to be tomorrow. You don't have to go. Well, it'd be good to go on a pilgrimage. We all love going away, don't we? But I mean, why not right now? The Lord wants your heart to burn with his love and with his word. And he spent three hours... Walking along the road with those two disciples. Jesus wants to give you more than three hours. He has got all the time in the world to listen and to share with you. He wants to hear everything that you have to say and he wants to hear your expectations, your disappointments, your hopes, your dreams, hurts, joys, pains, tears, sorrows, etc, cetera, etc, cetera. and even if it's just your silence. He just wants your presence and he expects nothing in return and that isn't my words that is one of the vatican documents the lord walks with us and he doesn't expect anything in return because he's a humble gentleman so humble we would be on our faces in in the sight and in the presence of god's humility jesus said my sheep Hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. Do you know Jesus' voice in your life? It's a big question. It's took me quite a long time to discern how God speaks to me because he does speak to us all uniquely and personally. He knows you, he knows you, he knows what you're thinking when you're thinking as it says in psalm 139 he knows what time you're going to go to bed what time you're going to eat he knows what's on your mind he knows what will be on your mind tomorrow what was on it yesterday he knows your concerns even the ones deep deep down deep down in your mind and your heart he knows your past he knows your upbringing he knows every single experience And so God is so gentle. He takes all this into consideration when he speaks to you. The Lord isn't wasteless with his words. He's so careful at how he speaks to us because he knows what would damage and what would not. Jesus knows what you need. And that should bring us so much consolation that someone out there knows exactly what I need. Because more often than not, we don't actually understand what we need ourselves. We don't understand the implications of our wounds and what that means and how it makes us act. But Jesus does, he's gentle and humble in heart. And if you're trying to discern the voice of the Lord, of our Lord Jesus. And Jesus said, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And from Jesus' heart, you know, pierced on the cross, he gave us the Spirit. You know, the Trinity, one God, three divine persons. But when one works, when one acts, they all act together. And so when Jesus speaks, the Father speaks, the Spirit speaks, and they lead, they reassure, they refresh, they calm us, they comfort us, they strengthen us. They heal us, they encourage us, they give us hope, peace, joy. They may challenge us, but it's not a challenge in a negative sense. It's more of a, you can do this. I I have so much planned for your life. I see your potential, I see your potential, and I am calling you to rise and to grow. This is the voice of the Lord, but we are in a battle. And this is why St. Paul, read about St. Paul because he, you know, he was a soldier. He he knew the spiritual battle in Ephesians 6 where it talks about the armour of God. We battle with the flesh, the world and the devil. And when you feel that stress, anxiety, fear, exhaustion, worry, aggravation, discouragement and so on, that is not the voice of God. How could God speak discouragement into our life it is come it's not his nature god is good that is his nature and the more we learn who he is the more we'll be able to detect his voice and and it is true they say often god's voice is the most gentle quiet one that gentleness, the quietness, that's his strength. You know, you look at St. Joseph. He didn't speak once in the Gospels and he was so strong. He was the one called in the whole of eternity to look after the Messiah. God's gentleness is his strength. And he knows how to speak to you. And my question tonight to you is, do you know the voice of God in your life? If you don't, or if you're not sure, that's fine. Cause I'm gonna tell you, <laughs> I'm gonna teach you some ways to discern the voice of God because I've learned the hard way. I'm half deaf physically, and I can chat for England as most people who probably know on this radio station by now. And uh, so Jesus gets more of me speaking than listening. <laughs> but we often struggle with hearing God speak, with silence and with listening because perhaps we're looking for him to speak in the most obvious way. Yes, God does speak audibly. I know someone who's had this amazing story where they heard the audible voice of God, who said, will you go to this country? That's all he heard. He went, didn't know why he was going, got to the other country, met someone who had prayed the week before because they were at the end of their life, despairing. They prayed the week before and said, please send me someone. And this person went to this other country and prayed with this person, set them free, brought them hope just before they died two years later. So right now, now the radio doesn't do this point much justice, but you'll get the point. Right now, am I only speaking to you with words? Well, on a radio, you can only hear my words, so that's fine. But... I'm also speaking with voice tone, you know, when I get excited and passionate, I might get a bit louder and more enthusiastic and more zealous and more fiery. And if you could see me and Karen can, I speak a lot with body language. So at the moment, my arms are flying all over the place.
0: I can confirm this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so what, Research shows is that when we speak, 7% is only your spoken word. So you're only hearing 7% of what I'm saying. <laughs> Maybe you're hearing it also, praise the Lord, because the Lord can, you know, help us on the radio. 38% is voice tone and 55% is body language. So if that's how we speak, how does the Lord speak? And before I give uh, just a quick list of ways, you'll know them, but it's good to be refreshed. I just want to read a quote from Cardinal Sarah. He said about how the Lord speaks. So there's the ways, but how does Jesus speak? And therefore the Father and the Spirit. He said, I am always struck by his discretion, by his very tactful manners, with their boundless respect for our freedom we are as fragile as glass and so god tempers his power and his speech so as to adapt them to our weakness god speaks to children with extreme gentleness and what he has to say to them he often says without words now i can really confirm that because when i asked you before how does god speak to you? I've I've really only discovered that in the last few months. Because it's hard sometimes to hear the voice of God. And what I often get is silence. If I pray, I'll get nothing in quotation marks. I'll get silence. Or if the Lord does speak, it's so gentle. And and like Cardinal Sarah described, I must be I must be so fragile because that's what he described. You know, the Lord tempers his power because of our fragility. But praise the Lord because his power is made perfect in weakness, as St. Paul said. But when God speaks for me, it's often only when I look back on a situation I can see what he said. So he's very slow and he's very gentle. And he's almost so slow and gentle, it's frustrating. You know, it's, it's it can be a test of my own patience. So that's how... I experienced God's voice at this stage in my life, you know, at the beginning of my journey, I got so many Bible verses that were direct answers. That was like what they call, you know, the honeymoon phase and that's long gone in the desert. <laughs> you know, now it's that silence and the slowness, but it's in that silence that he's deepening your ability to hear his voice in a more intimate way. And so what are some of those ways A Bible verse, you might get a sense of peace, a feeling of hope. I mean, in fact, to be fair, I get a strong feeling of hope quite often, especially when I'm suffering. It's like a surge of hope within, you know, just like that makes you look up to the sky. And it's often when I'm on my own preparing for a talk or just working or whatever it is, it's like a surge of hope within. You might get a mini revelation or you might just know something, you know, like a hunch Like the Lord does speak to us where we just know. We might not know what it is. It might be later down the line. You might get an interior message. So it might not be audible, but you might get like a short, snappy message inside. And I once heard a priest say that in his wisdom, the Lord often gives us short messages because if he gave us a long sentence, I don't know about you, but I'd start overthinking it, overcomplicating it and probably adding to it in my humanity without realising so he often is just straight to the point. There's no ambiguity with God with the Lord's voice. He's straight forward and he's simple and he's not going to lead you into confusion. He's so clear. He's crystal clear. And there are other ways I won't name them all now because we've got other important stuff to talk about, but I will share a quote of St. Therese and then we're going to go into a quick break but saint therese never heard the voice of jesus audibly and she said this the teacher of teachers instructs without sound of words and though i have never heard him speak yet i know he is within me always guiding and inspiring me and just when i need them lights previously unseen break in upon me As a rule, it is not during prayer that this happens, but in the midst of my daily duties.
0: Wow, that is beautiful. Thank you ever so much. We're going to have a music break right now. And we're going to listen to a song called Peace by Melanie Penn.
2: Make sure of when every heart
0: was Peace by Melanie Penn. You are listening to Radio Maria, and this is our Diving Deeper programme. And this evening we're listening to Daniela Stevens, who's talking to us about listening to God. So welcome back, Daniela.
1: Thank you, Karen. So to pick up where we left off, I just shared a quote of St. Therese of Lisieux, how the Lord, how she said she never heard Jesus speak, but how he spoke in her life through guiding and inspiring her and she often had this inspiration in and through her daily life her daily duties you know she prayed but the lord wants to be involved in your everyday life and that's where he'll speak as well as in prayer now last weekend not the one just gone but the one before i was in knock now it sounds like i'm in knock all the time i think i've shared about knock a lot here when i'm on the radio but I was blessed to go to Knock and I went to Our Lady's Shrine and I was praying about this talk that I'm sharing tonight because I shared it somewhere else. And you know, like Saint Therese wanted to become a big saint and she is. She is in every Catholic church pretty much in the world. She is truly the missionary she desired to be and she showers roses all the time on the church as she promised. And she asked the Lord, for a little way. You know, the little way of Saint Therese, her shortcut to becoming a saint, like an elevator. And so I was in the apparition chapel asking our lady, how do I teach people to listen to God when I struggle with it myself? (laughs) Mm. And what did I get? Silence. I got nothing back. And then I thought, maybe this is it. Maybe this is how God speaks to me is through silence. And then I started to ask Saint Therese, what's the little way of listening to God? Now, did you know, if you take anything from this talk, this is amazing. This point is so cool. And I wish I could take the credit, but I don't know. I just found it on Google. So someone out there shared this amazing wisdom. But did you know that the word listen, L I S? T E N spells another word which is our shortcut to listening to God. So l-i-s-t-e-n. If anyone's good with English and words, what word am I talking about? Silence. So listen also spells silence in order to listen we have to be silent and lo and behold knock is known as the silent apparition because nobody spoke in knock the only apparition in the world but silence is hard because first of all you've got the external noise of music tv people's voices i'm not listening the music we just listen to by the way that's different social media, and just all the noise that goes on out in the world, opinions, media, everything, all the noise out there is noisy. But then you've also got internal noise. And this, in fact, is the louder noise. Your thoughts, you know, they say apparently we have somewhere between 10 and 90,000 thoughts a day. 10 and 90,000 thoughts, we're always thinking about something, you know, even without realizing what we're thinking. Then you've got all your fears, your hopes, your dreams, your questions, your wounds, your hurts, your sufferings, your concerns, your anxieties. That's all your internal noise, your ambitions. Everything is noise within. You know, Cardinal Sarah, he wrote in his book, called the power of silence, modern life does not allow us to look calmly at things. You know, Jesus isn't a stress head. You know, if we just say it in a worldly way, he's so calm, so in control, so at peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And so the question is, how do we cultivate silence? Now, one of the obvious, if you're using your phone, don't do it now, but is to put down your phone. It really is, I really believe for everyone, putting down your phone is one of the biggest things in, in a step towards silence. You know, how the times have changed with, phones are great, you know, we can do so much with them, but they are a part of our life. We go everywhere with a phone, in our pocket, in our bag, in our rooms, at night, everywhere. We use a phone, Now everything is on our phones. And so, If we're not disciplined or careful, they can become a distraction. So less phone and advent as we approach now is a good time to maybe reduce your social media. And I know it sounds probably the same message, but we all struggle in the same way and phones are addictive. It's proven. Social media is addictive. It's designed to be addictive, all to do with the adverts and the money and all that type of thing. You can watch social media documentaries on various TV programmes, even though I said don't watch TV. (laughs) But putting down the phone to make space for silence. And then confession, adoration, the Eucharist, asceticism, you know, a little bit of discipline, maybe getting up a little bit earlier in this time is really hard in this dark, cold mornings when you prefer to snuggle up Getting up that 10 minutes earlier, it doesn't really matter as to the quantity. You know, you're thinking, I might have to get up four hours before. It's, it's about your intention. And even if you got out of bed one minute earlier or just on your first alarm as a sacrifice, it's, it's, what, it's where your motive is and your intention. That's where the Lord looks. So this is where we can do things like St. Therese said, in that little way. Reading the scripture, retreats, pilgrimages, what you're doing right now, listening to the radio, learning, feeding your faith. This will, even though I'm speaking and it's noise, your soul is being silenced because it's receiving God's word. It's calming it down. You're having to focus on this subject about listening to God. And knowing yourself as well, self-awareness and acceptance. The saints were all about this. I know, confessing this over the radio, when I'm feeling a bit weak or struggling, i have go my phone, you know, as a distraction. You can just end up going on to distract yourself. So if you know yourself, it's good. And the Lord calls us, the church encourages us to know ourselves. So... The little way of listening to God is silence, but what is the little way of silence? Because I said to the Lord, we need a shortcut for silence in this day and age. You know, the amount of noise that we face externally, which is much noisier than life used to be, and internally, which has a greater impact on our internal um, life, we need a shortcut. And the Lord knows how fragile we are. He knows that we cannot do it in and of our own strength and the shortcut is a grace of a new pentecost it's the holy spirit you know jesus said without me you can do nothing and more than ever we need the spirit to permeate the whole of us our heart our mind our body our soul to calm us to bring us peace to silence everything Not to disregard things. You know, if you've got genuine fears, the Lord's not to come into silence and to push them away. He's coming to actually calm you, to bring you peace and to deliver you of these things that cause so much noise. You know, the Lord is the potter, we are the clay. Yes, we cooperate through prayer, through the sacraments, through confession, through asceticism, putting down the phone, a little bit of sacrifice. Maybe you want to do more. Maybe the the fire of the spirit will encourage you to go a bit more, but it will always be in the grace of God. You know, you'll never have to do, God doesn't want us to do anything in our own strength because we haven't got any. The Lord is our strength. He is the potter, we are the clay. And if we don't make space for silence or prayer, something else comes to fill the void within us. And it's whether it's distractions, whether it's worldly pursuits, we need to pray. And I wanna give you an image. I'm gonna end, we've got, oh, we've got time. Praise the Lord, it's only quarter past nine. But when people used to say to me, you know, about prayer, You know listen to your heart it's about going within and listening to god in your heart now that's true but my personal experience was i just didn't know how to get there how do you listen to your heart you have all these questions you know like fears what he might say that can be a blockage then you can also have uncertainty was that god or was that me was that really God or was that me? Did I make that up? Did I fluff it out? Was that my imagination just to make me feel good? Or ambiguity, does it mean this or does it mean that? I know when I have re- I believe the Lord has spoken, but I've given it s- 10 different meanings by the end of the prayer and I don't know which one it means. So, so we battle all these things. You know, what's the interpretation of our prayer? And we can get lost in the prayer when with all these struggles the lord knows our weakness but in matthew 6 6 i'm going to give you another word for heart because heart is used so much today maybe it's lost its efficaciousness maybe it's lost its impact and so in matthew 6 jesus said whenever you pray go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Cardinal Sarah said that the father waits for his children in their hearts, that's true. He waits for them in the room of their heart, but I'm actually gonna give it another name. This is getting technical and it's also a bit mysterious, but I think you will like it. Conscience. (laughs) Quite Quite a big word, quite a heavy word, but if you heard the description of conscience in one of the Vatican Second Council's documents, it is absolutely stunning. You know, when I say conscience, do you think of confession? When you examine your conscience? That's probably most where we will think of the word conscience, when we have to examine it and for what sins that we have to confess. But this is what Gaudium et Spes describes our conscience as and we all have one it's that secret chamber within that room within and this is what the church document describes it as your conscience is the privileged place for special intimacy with god and encounter with him where his voice is heard the most secret core and sanctuary of a man there he is alone with god whose voice echoes in his depths. That's what your conscience is. It's not just that image that we might have of the the voice inside that convicts us of sin. You know, oh, I don't want to listen to my conscience. know, people see that to me, i be like, oh no. Don't say the word conscience because it seems more like something of judgment when actually the church calls it a place, a privileged place for special intimacy. A hidden sanctuary, that's what your conscience is. How do we get there? I I want to I want to be there. I want to be there with the Lord. If that's where my secret place is with him, my special intimacy is with him, where I'll hear his voice, why would we not want to go to this place, to this room, to this secret place within? And we've all got our own. It's where the voice of the Lord is heard. And the church is so good. She gives us everything we need. She's our mother. And she gives us the examination of conscience. And I don't necessarily mean the one before confession, I mean the one that is encouraged by Pope after Pope at the end of each day. When we sit and examine our conscience, when we go to this secret place, this sanctuary within to be with the Lord. And what do we listen out for? What do we discuss with the Lord? You can get many formulas, you know, there's one by, I think, Father Timothy Gallagher, the Baker formula, have a Google. But just for the sake of this talk, I'll just give three ways, or four. The first one, we should always thank the Lord. We should always have this gratitude in our hearts for what he's done for us. But the other three things is, where did you feel God today? Where did you feel his presence? Where did you have those consolations? Where did you sense he was at work? Write them down, if it helps. You know, because sometimes when we're thinking, we can easily just wander off. So write them down. Where didn't you feel the Lord? Where did you struggle with sin? Where did we turn away from him? Write those things down and then ask him for what you need. The Lord wants us to listen and he also wants us to speak. It's a two-way relationship. So if you remember just those three or four things, if you do that every single night, at the end of the day, could take five or 10 minutes, I give you that challenge, you might already do it, and I really commend you for that. And that is the way of the church to grow and strengthen our conscience in how we get there. You know, Our conscience actually does need to be formed and it's through reading scripture, listening to talks, going to mass, going to confession, and the more you do those things the more easier it will become to examine your conscience and what the lord is saying so the church has given us this tool and doing that for five or ten minutes every night you'll actually start to see with your own eyes you know just like the woman at the well she could go and preach to the samaritans her her own self she didn't need to send someone to tell them what god had done for her she went and said it herself and so if you're looking if you're examining your conscience if you go into this sanctuary every night you will come out with reams and lists of what god is doing for you and you might think well how do i know that's god and how do i know that's me yeah it might be a bit rusty at the start and you might not know this is where it is good to seek guidance from a spiritual director or someone that we trust or listening to church teaching But the more you'll do it, I don't think Jesus is going to let you down. I think you're going to go strong in the Lord. You're going to know his voice. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. You will know his voice. And I say that prophetically. You will know his voice. If you don't know it or you feel like you don't know it, you're going to know it because the Lord is never outdone in generosity. And I just want to end um, with, with a story about... How important it is to pray, to go to this sanctuary within, to go to this place, to go to your conscience. You know, don't be afraid of the word conscience. You know, if it's got a bad connotation for you, ask the Lord to heal that because it's that intimate place within. Don't run from your conscience. It's it's the place where the Lord is calling you to set you free, to answer your questions, to answer your prayers. It all comes from your union with him. And I want to share a radical example of this. You know, last week we celebrated the the martyrs, Andrew Dunglach and his companions. And I don't know if you've ever read up on them, but oh my goodness, what they went through as martyrs was unbelievable. You know, the French missionaries that went over to Vietnam, what they suffered for their faith. But then I was reminded of a Vietnamese cardinal called Cardinal Francis Xavier, So he was from, I think, the 1950s. He's a venerable now. He's on the way to sainthood. And he became a priest, then he became a bishop. And do you know what his motto was as a bishop? Hope, oh, I don't know which way around it was, but it was joy and hope. Gaudium et spes. He was all about joy and hope. And remember, at the start of this talk, I said, rejoicing in hope. That would have been his his you know motto as a scripture. And just after he became a bishop, he got arrested and he was put in prison. It was a communist regime, um, I believe, so do the research if you would like to look into it more. And do you know how many years he was in prison for his faith? 13 years. He's just been made a bishop. And for nine of those years, he was in solitary confinement. Now, let's just take some time to realize what that actually means. It's a box room with no windows, with a door, probably with like a letterbox where he got his food. No windows, no air. Terrible conditions. In England, you're only allowed to be in solitary confinement for no more than 15 or 30 days when I did my research because it's, it's, it's really damaging. It was really bad for and it could send you crazy. He was in it for nine years. Years, not nine months, not nine weeks, but nine long years. And it's, it's unbelievable, it's a miracle how he survived in this cell for nine years. Might have been a few different cells. But I'm actually gonna to read to you his own description of his experience and why we should never ever give up listening to the voice of God. Why we should never stop praying, which is listening and speaking to God, and why we should hold on to a private inner place with the Lord, this conscience, your conscience, your sanctuary, with a tenacious grip. You know, tenacity means to hold on to something firmly. If we let go of this, it's disastrous. And Cardinal Francis Xavier explains why he said, They tortured me by leaving me under lights day and night for 10 days and then depriving me of all light for long periods. So don't forget he was in a room with no windows and they put hot lights in there on purpose to make it roasting hot and to take the breath out. One day in the darkness, I noticed a tiny hole through which the light shone. From then on, I used to put my nostrils there to breathe more easily. Whenever there were floods, snakes used to invade my cells and sometimes climb my legs to avoid the water. I had no toilet, but since I received hardly any food, I had little need of one. Prayer saved my life. In moments of great suffering, Sometimes when I wanted to pray, I could not. I was desperately tired, sick and hungry. Often I was tempted to despair and rebellion, but the Lord always helped me. Now there is a radical example of someone whose faith was tested in a way that we probably, like, we wouldn't understand unless we've been there ourselves but we could probably resonate with some of the things that he said, you know, when we're tired, sick and hungry, whether physically or spiritually, we can be tempted to despair and to rebel. You know, Lord, forget it, I'm not praying. You know, when we can get those, we can get to that place of frustration and anger with the Lord. But prayer, when you persevere through, it softens all that within. You've got to cling to Jesus and to this sanctuary that is within you. You've got to keep going there, even if there's block after block after block, discouragement after discouragement. Because as soon as we start to walk away from there, like Cardinal, Sarah, uh, Cardinal Francis Savvy said, it saved his life. His, all he had was to listen and to speak to God. That's all he had. And so in this time of Advent, I really encourage you, I think we should all make, even if it is, Already, that's really good, but keep it there. Let's make prayer, speaking to God, but especially listening to Him in silence. Let's make that our priority. You know, what are your priorities? Above everything, and I mean everything, even food. Now, I'm not saying don't eat, but the scripture says man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So, above everything, we should put prayer because that is, as the scripture says in Matthew, which my friend sent me before tonight, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And you do that through prayer. You know, if you've got maybe not a powerful image of prayer, ask God to heal that and, and to give ask him to give you a powerful image of what prayer is. It's going into that secret sanctuary within, to be with the Father, to be with the Son, to be with the Holy Spirit, to be filled anew. And that is ultimately what we need. That should be each one of our priority. And pray for that this Advent. And I'm telling you now, you'll have an amazing Christmas. You will, the child will be born anew within, and it'll be life-changing ask the Lord to go to take you within to where he waits inside your conscience your heart your room whatever word resonates and pray for the intercession of venerable Cardinal Francis Xavier from Vietnam who became a cardinal after he was released from solitary confinement by Pope John Paul II ask him to pray for your prayer life and he will intercede and it will be set on fire with joy and with hope.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. So much inspiration. So much to go with there. And, well, yeah, just an invitation to go deeper, isn't it? Just oh, deeper, yeah, literally, to deeper, go deeper. Deeper, deeper. <laughs> exactly. <Yes. laughs> but it's, we all need to do that, and I've been feeling that myself for sure. So, yeah, that is Absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Um, Could I possibly ask you to pray for everybody listening right now?
1: Yes, I do apologise because I know we haven't had time for another song and any um, questions, but let's pray. The Lord knows what we need and he obviously wanted to speak. So, Jesus, we thank you for this time together now for everyone who is listening. Already you are pruning, you are training them even more how to listen to you you know, the inspirations that you lay on their heart, the connections that they start to make. Ah, Lord, this is what you meant. You know, Lord, open their ears. Take them on the journey within this Advent into the sanctuary, that secret place within that the church calls our conscience, our hearts, that room where the Father waits for each one of us who Christ takes us to through the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that for each person listening, you will set their prayer life on fire. Literally, Lord, that you would pour such abundant grace into this, this that this becomes a priority for them, if it isn't already, that it becomes the top of their list and that they cannot go a day without going into their conscience with you without listening to their conscience, which is you, Lord, speaking in and through this place that is within them. Give them the desire, draw them, Lord, into this place where you wait for them because the church teaches that, as baptized children of God, that the Trinity dwells within. So let us dine with the Lord within. We pray for this grace, Lord. We know it's a grace, we can't do it ourselves. Help us put down the phone, help us turn off the TV, put down the newspaper, put down the worries and the fears and the questions, whatever it may be, so that we can all go to where you're waiting for each one of us, so that we can experience the words that truly bring life, that set us free, and that we can be then a fountain a mouthpiece to the world around us, just like the woman at the well who went into a conscience with Christ, listened to what he had to say, which was, I love you. You don't need to search for the love anywhere else. I'm here. I love you. And this well that she was at is a bottomless well. The one inside is bottomless and Jesus wants to fill it continually, never ending. You know, this is what eternal life is. It never ends. And eternal life is knowing Jesus Christ, and it starts here and now in this life because of what he's done for us. So we thank you, Lord, we praise you, Jesus, and we ask for your mercy and grace this night and through all of Advent. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you so, so much. What a thank blessing. You. Amen. God bless. Thank you
1: Thank you for having me. God bless. Thank blessed. you for coming. God
0: bless. God bless.